Yeah, personally, he would fill that role um, just as somebody that was there every step of my writing career has taught me most of what I know. Um, very, very patient man, especially with three little kids. Uh, he had like zero tolerance, though, for treating the animal poorly. So that was something I learned like from a very young age. He's like, if you're going to rip on that horse's mouth, you're not going to ride. And if you're not going to cool your horse off, you're not going to ride. You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Welcome to The Ride, a bi-weekly podcast brought to you by Horse and Rider Magazine. I'm your host, Nicole Cherico. In each episode, I chat with some of the industry's top trainers, clinicians, horse keeping experts, and professionals to share inspiring stories, training philosophies, and the importance of living your best Western horse life. In this week's episode, I sit down to talk with Devin Conley, a Western content creator based in Northern Colorado. Devin, or Devin Out West, as she's known on TikTok and Instagram, creates Western-focused content on social media to inspire others in the Western industry and to introduce outside people to the Western industry. Please enjoy this week's episode, which is brought to you by Manapro. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Ride. This is your host, Nicole Cherico, and today I am sitting down with Devin Conley, who is a Western content creator. You've probably seen her stuff on TikTok, on Instagram. Um, I know it's constantly going viral in my circles. We're constantly sharing her stuff because it's so relatable. But uh, Devin is so much more than what you see on social media. She grew up on a ranch. She started rodeoing at a young age. She is the definition of living your best Western horse life. So I wanted to bring Devin on. Thank you so much for, for talking with us today. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for asking me to be here. Yeah. So uh, for people who may not be as familiar with who you are through social media, let's just start at the very beginning. You grew up on a ranch in Colorado. Uh, can you kind of talk a little bit about being introduced to the Western way of life at an early age and, and kind of how that shaped your childhood? Totally. Yeah. So uh, my early childhood, I was on a, a little family farm in Fort Collins uh, long before Fort Collins is what it is now. Um my dad was a team roper on the circuit, so he was a healer, and he just grew up on a ranch also, on a farm, uh, so it was kind of ingrained in us from an early age to be around uh, horses and livestock, so he rodeoed and hauled us with him, and like being five years old and warming up his horse in the, in the warm-up pen are some of my earliest memories, um, and so he actually ended up kind of giving up his career in team roping so that we could go on and rodeo, um, give up his horse too. We took his, we took his team roping horse and turned it into a barrel horse. (laughs) So, um, that was, that was kind of how it all started is he got us into horses from a very, very young age. We started rodeoing, you know, in the peewee level at like five. Um, and it was all, all history from there. Every parent's worst nightmare is their child stealing their horse from them. (laughs) Oh, totally. Stole the horse. Like, I would go out with scissors and give her haircuts, like cut her forelock straight across and her mane. And um, I was, I thought I was doing something, but that poor man, he was very patient. (laughs) That's awesome. I didn't grow up on the rodeo circuit, but I, my mom comes from a, a dairy farm. And so I grew up with the horses and yeah, I totally 
kind of makes you who you are today. Like I don't, I don't know anything different other than climbing on a horse at three and and going and doing not very smart stuff at young age. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've never, I've never lived without horses. I've never been without animals. I've never not been in a rural area. So that's all I know. So let's talk a little bit. You've mentioned that your your dad was a team roper. You guys grew up rodeoing. Can you kind of talk about that experience kind of growing up on the rodeo circuit, what it was like and and kind of how it's shaped what you like to do today with your horses? Oh yeah. Best best memories of my life. Like we so I have two siblings. Uh my dad hauled all three of us. We started with CJRA, Colorado Junior Rodeo Association. We did high school rodeo and then uh into college, but the the junior rodeo as a kid was hands down like the best way to grow up we he would pull us out of school you know on Fridays when we had rodeos and we had like an old RV and just kind of a beater uh like bumper pull horse trailer and he'd load three horses up three kids up and we'd drive eight or nine hours to some like gross little fairgrounds you know (laughs) um and and stay for the weekend and rodeo and just like such amazing memories. I mean, I love those little towns, those little western towns where there's pretty much like a truck stop and a fairgrounds. That's pretty much all you got. And a hole in the wall Mexican restaurant. Totally. Oh yeah, I grew up on hole in the wall Mexican restaurants. Like that is my favorite food because of this. Yep. And we had such good friends that we rodeoed with, um, just kind of grew up with, and now. Even now, it's it's amazing because kids that I grew up doing junior rodeo with are currently at the NFR competing. So that's that's amazing to see like those people out there just living their best life, competing at the, the top level, and knowing like where we all kind of came from. Um, it's pretty cool. That is really cool, <laughs> especially you know you look on the the television screen at night and you're like, you know, you've known them for years. Like you've, you've, yeah, you grew up with them. Like, right. Right. And just to know, like, I know where, I know how hard you work to get there. Cause I know where you started and I, know, I obviously have not, never made it to that level. I haven't, I, I haven't run barrels in a few years. Um, I kind of switched gears and started doing some more ranch or stuff, which I thoroughly love and enjoy, but rodeo has always got a big piece of my heart and I'm sure I'll get back to it. So are you doing, when you say the ranch horse stuff, are you doing like the versatility ranch horse, the ranch riding? Yeah. So I got into ranch riding and really started enjoying it. Um, I, I like the way it, it just kind of uses the functionality of the ranch horse. And it was a, definitely a different speed, like literally di- a different speed, but also, you know, figuratively. <laughs> um, and it was a whole new world for me to learn though. Like I've never been around the show world. And so totally new world to learn awesome people such awesome people so that's been a really cool experience I've enjoyed it I would imagine like I you know I come from the horse show world like I've been showing since I was the same age that you were rodeoing and um coming into this job I I got to experience more of the rodeo world and and yeah they're they're so different but they're so alike but I would imagine the probably the biggest difference for you is that having judges in an arena now yeah yeah exactly it's not a clock you know it's a judge and the uh no offense to my rodeo people, but the the warm up pin is so much safer at a show. <laughs> uh, yeah, people, there's there's rules in the warm up arena, so that's nice. <laughs> there are rules. It is it it does it is nice when everybody's circling the same direction. Yes. 
Um, well, going back to your rodeo days, uh, was there like a horse that really shaped you as a kid? I mean, I know you said you took your dad's horse. Is it that one or maybe another one? Oh yeah. Yep. That mare. So he bought her when she was like three for $700. And I remember he always tells a story, uh, that the guy wanted 750 and he was like, I, I walked away. I wasn't paying that extra 50 bucks. And so he got her for 700 bucks, trained her. And then she was like, 14 one hands grade just a little sorrel mare nothing fancy and she was such an incredible heel horse I mean that mare she could do anything and so I started running poles on her and then running barrels and she just became kind of this all-around horse for me my siblings had their own horses and then I just kind of took lady was her name um so my dad bought her when she was three she died on the, the ranch here when she was like 33 so She lived a very long, full life. She competed up until she was like 28 and just, just the coolest little horse, like Mina Sin. I mean, she would rip another horse's head off, but she was tough. She had so much heart. She took care of us. I love a good mare. I love a good gritty mare. Totally. And so gritty, just red mares, you know, they're the best. Um, so obviously your dad has been a big part of your riding career. Would you say that he was one of your biggest mentors growing up or, or who would you consider to be your mentors that you kind of shaped your life around? Yeah, personally, he would fill that role. Um, just as somebody that was there every step of my riding career has taught me most of what I know. Um, very, very patient man especially with three little kids. Uh, he had like zero tolerance though for treating the animal poorly. So that was something I learned like from a very young age. He's like, if you're going to rip on that horse's mouth, you're not going to ride. And if you're not going to cool your horse off, you're not going to ride. And just these, these lessons that were taught in like a gentle way, but a very firm way. And so I learned from a very young age, like the horse comes first and there were a couple times where he 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 was he kept his word. Like he pulled pulled me out of a rodeo once, and this is you know I was very young, but I missed the the first and second gate call because I was like messing around, not paying attention, right? And he was like, "Okay, well we, we'll just scratch you from your run." And so I learned really quick, right? Like you're on time, you're warmed up, you're ready, you're taking care of your horse. Um, so he really guided me and my siblings well in that way, which I think a lot of that applies to life too. Um, and, and just taught us in his own way and in a really like positive and gentle, but firm way to always put the horse first. Yeah, no, like you said, it definitely shapes you just as a person in general. Uh, I know it was kind of similar to what you went through. I had a horse trainer that was like, if you're not in the arena ready to practice at 3 a.m., like you're not practicing because I have 12 other clients that I have to work with today. And so, yeah, you learn to be on time. You learn to to take care of your stuff and your animals and and everything in between. And, and it sets you up for success as an adult, even in like your just professional career. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It, it transfers over so well just to life. I mean, I'm on time everywhere I go. <laughs> and I, uh, to this day, like rain, wind, snow, shine, whatever the animals eat before I do and get taken care of before I come inside the house or whatever. So good lessons to learn. I, I'm very, very grateful I had him. And he's, he's just such a, a good role model for a lot of my friends too. Like growing up, he kind of 
He was he was the dad that would walk around and check people's cinches, like before they went in the gate, if they didn't have someone there to do it for him. And he'd like, you know, he'd he'd fix your head style if you needed before you went. If if you didn't have someone there to do it, he just is he he cares so much. He's like everybody's dad. I love that. Uh, so, do you have any kind of like? riding philosophy that you kind of uh, have taken from from maybe him or other horse trainers that you've worked with to kind of help you transition from the rodeo world to more of the ranch riding world you know i i really like the practices of people like uh buck brandman and ray hunt and those kind of guys um and i i've watched them my whole life also just reading their books, watching their YouTube videos, whatever I could get my hands on in that realm. So I had a lot of that under my belt. And then just growing up on a ranch around cattle, our rodeo horses were also using horses. So that was uh, something that dad was pretty adamant about also is that they, they were never just arena horses, um, giving them a jo- another job and something to get their mind off rodeo, not practicing every day, not being in the arena every day really helped to make that transition over to ranch riding too, because they were so well-rounded as like functional animals also. So that's, that was helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so kind of going through the years of your riding career, have you had any really tough moments that kind of helped you in the long run become a better horsewoman today? But at the time, like, you know, it, it was, it's tough and, and you got to fight to get out of that corner. And, but now you look back and you're like, I'm really glad that happened. Yeah. So I, uh, 2019, I was, I took a horse over to the local fairgrounds just to, uh, work the pattern a little bit in a new arena. And this was such a nice horse. He was so solid, just a great horse. Um, I didn't, I, I wasn't really paying enough attention. So I put the, you know, the fault squarely on my, my shoulders but we came up to second barrel. We were cruising through the pattern and I didn't realize that there was some sort of like somebody had drug, uh, like a packer across the dirt in front of second barrel. So the dirt was hard and it was a different color right in front of the barrel. And he saw that and he kind of balked at it and he threw a, like a little buck. Well, I just wasn't ready. I was kind of perched up and wasn't ready at all. Came off somersaulted over his head and I landed in like a sitting position and, and broke my back. So it was, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It it was, um, it was hands down the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. Like I just had this, this vivid memory. I was laying in that arena on my back, staring at the blue sky, just thinking like, I don't know how bad this is, but I know it's bad because I, I can't, I can't feel anything but pain in my back. And that's the only thing I could feel. Um, so you know, my dad was there because he always meets me and we go practice and, um, he, and he's, it's such like a, a cowboy, right? Like his first thought is like, get the horse, you know, the gates open, go get that horse. He, he thinks I just got the wind knocked out of me. So he's like running off, trying to get the horse, get the horse tied up. He comes back over and I don't think he had any idea how bad it was. Um, he kind of like half carried me out and we were the only ones there and loaded me up. We got the horse to the trailer. We head to the hospital and then, you know, after they did all the scans and everything, they came back and they're like, yeah, well, you, you, you broke your back. You compressed these vertebrae, too. And we were both like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> he had no idea. He's like, I'm so sorry I didn't call an ambulance. Like, I didn't know. I didn't know it was that. I thought you got the wind knocked out of you. But it was, I spent about a week in, like, the trauma ward and um, then spent months in, like, a full back brace, walking with a cane, couldn't ride, took 
it took me a long time to even get confidence back climbing on a horse. Like I got on a horse as soon as they released me, but it was different for a while. It, it took me yeah, some time. For sure. Wow. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a horrifying, you know, thing to think is you, you're, you break your back and you know, your whole life changes, but I feel like it's always like the st- not the stupidest, but like the dumbest little things that people I talk to and they're like, yeah, I ended up in the, uh, you know, ER that I, I see you. And it's like my horse tripped at the walk right. and, fell and shattered my hip or like you, like you said, it was just a small little buck, but I wasn't prepared. And it just took me over the head of, you know, the horse. Yeah. I'm like a, such a solid horse too, the, you know, such a good horse and not his fault. And that dad's always said, like, it's not, if you get hurt, it's when and how bad. And Totally. This was my, this was my big one. And so it, it really, I, since I grew up riding, I kind of grew up fearless, right? And it kind of made me start looking at things in a different way, which I think is very good. It made me realize my own mortality a little bit too. And so I'm, I'm a lot more careful now. I try to look at a situation like 10 steps ahead. So... No, oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's totally real. Like as kids, I can't even think like I look back and I'm like, Oh my God, I would never do that today. And like, I have 25 years more experience riding horses and I'm like, I would never do that. And you know, I wear my helmet skiing down the mountain and like, you know, all these things, but yeah, the mortality thing is real and, and it can happen. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's super unfortunate that you had to have an accident like that to, to really, you know, think about it, but, um, you know, you came back from that, obviously you're riding again. What was kind of, you, you mentioned that your confidence, it took a while to build up your confidence. What was that journey kind of like? Um, it was arduous because I had never been through something like this before. And what it really, what it really came down to is just having grace with myself. I had this mentality at first of like, I'm an experienced rider. I've been on the back of a horse my entire life. I shouldn't feel this way. Let's just power through it. And all my horses could sense that. And things were not going well. I was trying to run barrels again. I didn't have my balance. I didn't have my core strength. Um, It it was, it was messy. It was sloppy. It was dangerous. And so I, I had to go back kind of to square one. I started riding bareback a lot just to kind of build up my core strength. And I would set, little goals for each ride. Like I'm going to, I'm going to lope for five minutes and without my stirrups, um, until I feel a little more solid. And then I would meet that goal. I would always end on a positive note. And I just gave myself a lot of grace in, in that journey. I'm I'm back to where I I feel great. You know, um, I still have pain a little bit in my back, especially when it's cold out. I'm like 80 years old now. I can feel when it's going to rain. Um, but otherwise I, I feel a lot better, but it it did take a while. And anybody that has been injured or just isn't used to horses and doesn't have confidence, like be patient with yourself, give yourself grace because your horse will know, they will know if you're not ready. I really love what you said about, uh, giving yourself kind of goals to work towards, whether it was just five minutes of riding without your stirrups. But I think the thing that I really take away from that is 
you saying to end on a positive note because sometimes, you know, I personally, last night I got frustrated with my two-year-old mare that I'm <laughs> riding and, you know, like definitely didn't end on a positive note like I wanted to. And, but it's so important. Oh, it's yeah, exactly. It's so important. And for your horse and for yourself and just going from, you know, like competing to where I couldn't throw a saddle on because I, I couldn't twist. I couldn't bend. I couldn't carry a five gallon bucket for a long time was humbling it was humbling and then coming back from that was humbling just like riding a two-year-old versus riding finish short like they will humble you quickly oh they do so much so much <laughs> yep and so it's yeah giving grace to yourself and your horse and just trying to end on a positive note was my best advice that's no that's great advice uh so let's see you've come back from that that was probably one of your toughest moments but now you're competing in the ranch riding. Let's talk a little bit more about how you got into that. I know you you said you wanted to transition and obviously coming from a working ranch and event like the ranch riding and you know all that seems like a very easy transition, but how did how did that journey kind of begin? Yeah, it's a great question. I I had that um that gelding the the one that actually bucked me off was he was a barrel horse and he was also a show horse like you could do anything with him he was such an all-around horse and so to kind of transition slowly back into the world of competition I thought well these these classes are a little bit slower paced and a little bit more controlled let's start there and so I started going to just like local shows around here um, and ranch riding at the time so this is like 2020 was really starting to grow a lot Um, and then of course with the you know the pandemic and everything there was less shows to go to but when it started picking back up I got back out there also um so that's kind of how I was introduced to it my my farrier is also big in that world and and knew a lot about it so I was able to pick his brain um and he's a trainer so I was able to send horses to him and say like here's the little basics I think I think they need to work on to be successful at this and he helped me out a lot with that um and that's the other thing is you know I've I've ridden my whole life I've trained a lot of my own horses, but there's no shame in having a, a professional trainer, <laughs> you know, to, to work no with. Doubt. Yeah. Like you, you do not have to go it alone. A, a village is great to have. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Supplements are only effective if your horse eats them. Acubytes, a new line of supplement blends brought to you by Manapro, takes the guesswork out of supplementation. Each formula is designed for palatability and has a unique shape and color that stands out when top dressed on a feed, so you can immediately confirm your horse's intake. Every blend includes a convenient, carefully balanced combination of ingredients that is proven to support specific needs for your horse. Finally, a supplement you can see and believe. Find out more at manapro.com. Um... So yeah, no, absolutely. I know I, I have a two-year-old that I'm working on myself, but I, you know, especially with this job, I'm calling up people all the time. Like, Hey, I'm running into this problem. How do I fix it? Or, you know, we're going to haul over to so-and-so's place and take a lesson. And, um, but you know, even, even though you come from that ranch ride or the ranch horse kind of world and in the sense that you guys have a working property, uh, you know, the, the ranch horse, I think what I really love about it is the finesse that these horses have. I mean, it is watching a a good ranch riding pattern is so much fun. It is, it is. And 
there's some incredible horses. I was I had a, a concern before I went into it of will these will the judges actually score a horse in a way that could actually go work or are these show horses that really wouldn't last on a ranch? Like I was I just was curious uh the authenticity and there are there's a lot of horses in those those ranch riding rings that like you know that they could hold their own like they are true working horses and that's so cool to see and the show world is is fascinating to me you know i love the flash and i love all the like silver and and everything like that and i also really like that in the ranch riding they don't expect any of that and they don't ex- they you don't you don't have to have super expensive tack like they want working tack and they want functional equipment that you'd see on a ranch so it's really been cool to be in the show setting and get to be around all those amazing horses and then also still get the, the ranch side of it. And also I've never been around, uh, you know, English show horses and I never realized how short all my horses are until I was around <laughs> like hunter jumpers and eventers. And I, I, those are big horses. Yep. I am in a boarding barn and, and my two-year-old's actually pretty big for Rainer. Like she's well past the 15, one mark. I'm like, please stop growing. Um, <laughs> but we're also part English at that barn and there's lots of off track thoroughbreds and yep. I, yep. Very small. Yes. Yeah. Just li- I'm like, wow, you guys are just little cow ponies. You are <laughs> indeed. Yep. <laughs> and then, yeah. So, but, but they can do a lot. Those little cow oh, yeah. ponies. Yeah. Uh, so uh, on top of everything else that you're doing, uh, you have, you know, a career outside of the horse industry professionally, you're riding all the time, but you're also, you're, you're a leather maker, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did you get into that? Uh, in college. So I started in college a little bit. I had a friend that did it and started teaching me and it was just kind of like a little side income when I was in college and then I, I didn't do it for a long time, got back into it a few years ago and I, it's, it's very enjoyable. It's like a therapeutic activity. That's cool. So it's more of just like something for you to, to relax and, and do what's, what's your favorite stuff to, to work on? Um, I, I like smaller stuff. I don't have, I had the big leather sewing machine for a while and it broke beyond repair, unfortunately. So I'm like hand stitching everything. Um, so smaller stuff is, is, fun and easier to work on right now head stalls and ball caps and things of that nature that's awesome you're also a western content creator and like I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast you have a fairly large following on tiktok and instagram uh how did that happen (laughs) uh by by accident I'm I don't know I I to this day I'm like how did I get here um in all honesty, like I'm pretty introverted and I, 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 as you can see, like sometimes I struggle expressing myself orally, uh, which is why I write so much, but I started TikTok like right at the start of 2020. And I, at the time I was a classroom teacher, so I taught history for 10 years and I was like, what are the kids talking about? Literally, I was like, what are my students? What is TikTok? I'm going to see what this is. And I, I was, it was winter break and I thought, well, I'm going to start a TikTok and let's see just what's going on here. And I think I posted one video. It got like 20,000 likes. First video, I was like, okay, is, is, is it this easy? This can't be this easy. <laughs> uh, and then I just started sharing thoughts that I had about horses and, you know, how ridiculous they are and all the stuff we go through. And it seemed to resonate. So 
I started on TikTok and then I, I've always had Instagram for, you know, for a long time, Trans, uh, transitioned over there, really enjoy the Instagram platform, especially the reels. And my whole goal at first was just to share like funny, relatable content. But then, then I also still uh, realized I really enjoyed like some educational content about agriculture in the Western industry. And I really enjoyed some uplifting content, especially for beginners. Um, so I, I try to keep it a little bit, I share some of my poetry on there. I try to keep it a little well-rounded, but a lot of it's just kind of my dumb humor. I, well, like you, I got into TikTok in like 2020, but after the pandemic kind of hit and I was really bored and yeah. my, um, one of my previous assistants who is still a great friend of mine, she was into TikTok, but she's also like 24. Um, you know, she's, she's in her twenties. Um, and she's like, you need to be on TikTok. And I'm like, I'm too old for TikTok. Like, That's what I thought too. Yeah. I was like, I'm around from the MySpace days. Like, oh, I feel old for TikTok. Uh, but she, you know, pandemic hits. I have nothing to do. I'm sitting at my house every day. I get a TikTok. And that's actually when I was introduced to your content. And it cracked me up because you have such relatable, uh, you know, horse owning. I don't want to say skits, but just like, you know, thoughts and stories and <laughs> And what a mare is thinking when you walk into a pasture, what your show horse is thinking, what your old ranch horse is thinking. And, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many of those I've shared with some of the girls in my barn because we are just busting out laughing at your stuff. That's awesome. I love that. Thanks for sharing. And that's yeah. that's like, that's all I want. If somebody, you know, if it makes somebody happy or makes them laugh or makes them feel good, that's that's it. That's all I care about. So you also mentioned that you share a lot of your Western inspired poetry on there too. And, and those sounds, I guess is what we call them these days have gone viral as well. I've, I've definitely seen them pop up on different videos uh, and, you know, you've talked about your love of the red mare. And, um, so how do you, how did you get into poetry? I've written, I've written my whole life. It's always been kind of an outlet for me. Um, I'm, I'm also like, I sing, I play the guitar, I haven't really shared that. Um, so I've written a lot of music throughout my life and just kind of those two things go hand in hand, poetry and music. Um, and then I, I just decided one day, I was like, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll just share one of these and people seem to like it. I, I, I'm so naive when it comes to like the internet and social media that I shared my, my first poem on there. And all of a sudden I saw it places like with other people claiming it as their words and things of that nature, which I know happens on the internet. And I was like, Oh, dang it. And now I'm just on the mindset that I, I know that that comes from me. It came from my heart. And, and if I want to share it with folks and hopefully they get something out of it, then that's good enough. I I'm working on like a, a little poetry book that I'm hoping to release soon um, that I'm excited about, but yeah, I, I very much enjoy it and I don't ever plan them out. I just get an idea. And same thing with my videos. Like they're never planned out. That's why they're always filmed in like the worst lighting. And I know my, <laughs> I know my uh, lighting could be better and I know all that could be better. And I always look like a mess because I'm usually like doing chores or something. But I just get this idea and I'm like, oh, look, run with it. Do it. Write it down. Get it. <laughs> I love it. You, you think like a true creative. That's how I am too. I'll be like sitting on the couch at 10 PM at night and I'm like, wait, I have a story idea and I'll go grab my work computer and start <laughs> typing. And my boyfriend's like, we're watching a movie. Right. You're like, I'm still watching. I, kind of. Yeah, no, but your, your poetry is really, it's really inspiring. And 
I loved, I, I think the red mare one is the first one that I heard from you. And, um, I, I have a brown mare, so not red, but, um, you know, I really resonate with the, the love of mares and, you know, their attitude, but how they'll, they'll go through anything with you. But, uh, where, you know, do you get inspired to write? Is it, it anything like going out and riding? Is that kind of what inspires you or? Yeah. My past history, uh, I've owned a lot of horses and I've owned a lot of horses of all different varieties. Um, I've been around so many people in the industry of all backgrounds, learned so much from so many people, been so many cool places. Um, I, sometimes I just write off a feeling like that feeling of being in the truck at 11 o'clock driving home from a rodeo and, and try to capture that feeling. Um, my boyfriend lives in Wyoming and works on a ranch and there's, there's so much inspiration up there, you know, just like riding through the sagebrush and the rabbit brush. And so I just kind of everywhere, my, my past, my present, my surroundings, my environment, the people I've met, the animals I've been around. Um, I'm just very thankful for all of those experiences. I praise God for it because it's, it's given me the ability to capture, I think, hopefully what a lot of folks feel. Well, and it's so authentic, which I think is why everybody seems to really, really love it is that it, it is, it's, it's truly coming from your experiences and, and what you're feeling and what you're going through and, and, you know, just your love for the Western way of life. Thank you so much. Authenticity and being genuine. Um, that means a lot to me. So I appreciate that. Yeah, no. And that kind of brings me into my next, uh, thing I wanted to talk about because on social media, you know, you make sure to talk about inclusivity and, and making sure that everyone feels welcome in in the horse industry. And, um, you know, the Western, the, the horse industry in general, not just the Western industry, it has its flaws. I think we can all, you know, remember an experience where we didn't feel welcome or, you know, whatnot. And, um, I really love that you're trying to make sure that people know that you have a friend in the horse world. Thank you. Yeah. That's, I have personal experience in that realm, you know, as most of us do growing up, especially if you grew up in the show world or the rodeo world where you are around a lot of, a lot of people. And most of the people I interacted with were amazing, but there's bad apples in every group. And, you know, I, I remember when we, my dad finally, he sold that old motor home, he bought an, a new pickup and he bought a living quarters horse trailer. And that was like, Oh, Whoa, like, Whoa, we were moving up in the world. I was so excited and we rolled into a rodeo with that new rig, and there was a not very nice kid that I knew that made some comment about how, I don't know why you're so excited that trailers, it's not even that big. It's not even nice. Like, it was just, it, it crushed me. I was like, man, I was so happy. I was so excited, and, and you took the wind right out of my sails. So as a child, that hurt. As an adult, I can look at it and be like, oh, whatever, people are always going to have something to say, right? So I think we all have a story where we can personally relate to not feeling welcome or feeling like we weren't good enough to be somewhere or that we weren't up to par or that our horse wasn't good enough or our tack wasn't nice enough. And it just doesn't need to be that way. Um, whether you're new, whether you've been around for forever, uh, you're welcome. You should be welcome. And everybody of every background should be welcome in the horse industry and in the, the Western world. And we need new people, right? Like, especially in agriculture, uh, we need younger people involved and we need people interested that weren't raised in this way of life. And 
I know it's hard to break into just if you weren't, if you didn't grow up this way, but don't stop trying. Like, don't give up if you're out there and you don't own a horse, but you want to start taking lessons, trade, work for board, whatever you got to do. Um, I just think it's important to, you know, encourage people and just, you got to be the, the change you want to see, right? Per Gandhi, you, you got to be the, the kind one if you want to see kindness. Oh, no, I love that. And I think, uh, you know, you mentioned that the, uh, you, you just want to get people involved in agriculture just in general, uh, because you're right, we do need more people in that. And it's, you know, I feel like people from the city just don't know what agriculture is and, you know, vice versa. People in the ag industry don't, not in the ag industry, people who live in rural communities maybe don't know what happens in the city life. And I, I love that you're using your platform to kind of build a bridge and, and let people kind of into that lifestyle. And, and so people know more about where their cattle come from or, you know, what it takes to, to, you know, grow crop or, you know, harvest season and, and everything in between. Yeah. I appreciate that. And that's exactly like support your local ranchers and farmers by, by local, know where your food comes from. All that is so important. We should be educating folks on that. And encouraging them to uh to get involved in their especially like in their food sources so my passion for like the ranching industry is is pretty um strong also I don't talk about it as much as like the horse industry but that's very important and you know if 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 you're interested in it there's there's a lot of people willing to talk about it you just got to be willing to listen listen more than you talk (laughs) and you can learn a lot for sure. So what would you say, you know, we're coming up, we're wrapping up the 2020, 2022 year, um, not 2020, please. <laughs> no, no, don't no. go back. <laughs> can't, can't do that one again. No. Um, so we're wrapping up 2022. Uh, you know, I think a big thing going into January is everybody's new year's resolutions. You know, what kind of goals have you set for yourself for the ne- following year? It sounds like you're a pretty goal driven person. So I'm assuming you probably have some. I, yeah, I do. I do have a lot of goals. I typically, I've learned me personally to not do new year's resolutions because I will fail. I, I just, if I, if I'm like, Oh, this is, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do it on the new year. It's not going to happen. So if I'm good, if I'm, I know if I have something in mind that I want to do as a new year's resolution, I try to start it at the beginning of December. So I got to jumpstart on it. I'm not, I'm not waiting for the first day of, of January. Uh, that's just me personally, but some goals, you know, for next year, I want to, I'd really like to, so I did a little bit of breakaway growing up. I did some breakaway and I'd really like to crack back out in that a little bit um, for 2023, which is crazy to say 2023. But I've got a new horse. I think he'd make a jam up little breakaway horse. So I'd really like to hit some of those and get back out in that. Um, like I said, release this book that I'm working on. I've got a couple other things in the works that I'd like to release. Um, and on that note, I get I get like analysis paralysis with my own stuff that I want to put out. I'm like, it's not good enough yet. And then I just never do it. So that's a goal is to just put it out there. Just do it. Just <laughs> finish it, put it out there, let it go. 
I I can relate. I have so many half written drafts sitting on my computer <laughs> that I'm just like, it's not good enough. It's not my best writing. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, that's a great goal. And and the breakaway that this is the time to do it, right? Like we are seeing some big payouts and and those girls are are kicking butt oh, yeah. and we're seeing them, you know, it, it yeah, now is the time to do the breakaway. Totally. It's it's I love the the traction that it's gaining. And yeah, you're right, those girls are top-notch ropers and i'm not there <laughs> i'm not anywhere near that level but I'd, I'd like to get back out there and start roping more i think i think my dad would be happy to see that too i love it well uh before we let you go do you want to go ahead and tell people where they can find you on social media since you are constantly posting stuff and i'm i would imagine that some of our listeners here would probably love your content oh, yeah thanks for that opportunity um, TikTok, Instagram, I'm at Devin Out West. It's D-E-V-I-N. I think my parents wanted another boy, uh, so they gave me that name. <laughs> but it is what it is. It's, I'm, I'm saddled with it for life. So Devin Out West, uh, TikTok, Instagram. And I'm true. Th- thank you for this opportunity to come on here. It's been so awesome talking with you, Nicole. And like, I'm so grateful to everyone that follows along on those journeys those platforms leaves the kind comments sends the messages asks the questions gives the advice like such incredible people um i'm I'm very very grateful for every opportunity i've had and the fact that anybody wants to listen to me and my rambling thoughts um and my stupid humor blows my mind but i'm incredibly grateful for it well, I know quite a few people who enjoy your stuff, myself included, <laughs> which is why I, I reached out. I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, we get so many horse trainers and, and professionals from that side of the industry, but it's so nice to hear from other people in the industry who, you know, horses aren't their professional career, but you've, you've found a semi career in the horse industry with your, your content creation and, um, yeah, no, I, I think it's just as important to share those stories. So I'm so glad that you, you agreed to come on and, and talk to us. Yes, this has been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for talking with me. And it's, I, I love this podcast. So this was awesome. <laughs> this is very exciting. Oh, thanks. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much. Thank you. Once again, we'd like to thank Manapro for being the sponsor of this week's episode. Thank you guys for tuning into the Ride Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Horse and Rider Magazine on social media and find us at horseandrider.com to see all the cool things that we're up to. And if you have any comments or questions, please be sure to hit us up at horseandrider at equinenetwork.com. We want to hear from you guys. And if you like what you're listening to, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. 